here for another episode of TBS, The Bonfire Sessions. And uh, how are you, Mike? You doing all right today? I've been better. You've been better. But yeah, right now, right now I'm at, doing At fine. this very moment, you're okay? Yeah. yeah, my tummy was hurting pretty bad earlier. Pretty bad tummy day? Yeah. Those are the worst, man. Do you get the cramps? I get, the, mm-hmm. I get the cramps. Those are fucking terrible. Those are real bad. So I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I'm just glad I'm over it. Like, yeah. yeah. It's always such a relief, you know, when pain stops. Yeah. It's like, I pretty feel, awesome. Yeah, it is. I almost feel like uh, anytime I get the cramps, like I got to like take a shower afterwards because I like sweat a lot, you know? Yeah. Just being in pain, like blood pressure goes up, the heart rate goes up. You feel tired after. Uh, yeah. It's never fun, man. Like physically and emotionally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't had that in a while. It's it's been a while, but uh, when it happens, it fucking it's a bitch. So I'm sorry about that, man. Um, but I'm glad you're feeling better right now. Yeah, thank you. But um, I gotta uh, raise a glass of water because here we are, stone sober as always. Cheers. Cheers to um, uh, having the the number one new release in the faith and spirituality category on Amazon. Uh, so our booklet again, again, I know it's two in a row. So summer, the summer volume, volume two of the series is, uh, is on sale now for those listening on Amazon for uh, 99 cents on Kindle. It is the number one new release. And yesterday, actually I took a peek on Amazon and in the overall category in faith and spirituality, uh, summer was number five and spring was number six. And I thought that was pretty fucking badass, dude. So that that was cool. I I like the books, but that doesn't really, that that doesn't sound right. I don't know. <laughs> they're good, but they're, they're still not that good. I mean, I'm proud of them, but like, <laughs> hey, man, pat yourself on the back. You take a win when you get it, man. <laughs> it's uh, don't get me wrong. It makes me happy. Yeah, it's uh, I don't. You just gotta. I don't know. It's it's weird at first, and then you keep it keeps happening, and it's like, oh shit. I guess we're onto something. Some people like it, right? Uh, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Apparently. So go pick that up. If you're listening right now and you haven't picked up the Bonfire Session Spring or Summer, you can get both for under $2. So two booklets for under $2. Uh, Autumn will be coming out in a couple months, and guess what? That'll be $0.99 cents too. So we're trying to go for the trifecta and get number one new release for that one, too. But uh, right now we're basking in the glory of having the number one. It was number one new release in two categories. Um, and I think number two in a, in, in the theology category. So fucking A, man. Hmm. Yeah. So pretty excited about that. Um, but for the podcast today, I thought, uh, we haven't done a Q and a in a while. It's been a hot minute. And so I, uh, I opened it up in the heresy after hours group, which is, uh, you know, associated with heretic happy hour. And I asked for questions from people. And at, at first, people were just being smart asses. But I think we got a couple decent ones. <laughs> so uh, we can do that and just see if, if we get anywhere. And if we don't, there's some other shit going on in the world, right? Yeah. So let's. Um, so Keith Giles, I think he's an author of some sort. Um, oh, that name's familiar. Sounds familiar, kind of. He asks. Um, was Paul secretly a homosexual? 
Um, I think he's kind of being a smart. I don't. I don't think so, but I, don't, I have no idea. Right. I've never heard ev- evidence for or against. Well, John Shelby Spong, uh, the Episcopalian theologian, theorized or postulated maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago in some book, maybe it's more recent, I don't remember, um, that he was a closeted gay man. The problem I have with that is I don't think they were... Th- I mean, none of the writings are in that context of gay straight but that's not really what they're talking about. Even when they talk about, like, gay acts between two men, it wasn't like a sexual orientation. They didn't think of things like that back then. So it's kind of anachronistic to uh, to kind of talk about it in the way. And, and whether mm-hmm. that's not to say that there weren't gay people. It's just not how things were categorized back then. So I don't even know how you would begin to speculate as to whether he was gay or straight. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't recall, you know, Paul saying, or I mean, doing much of anything that would, you know, even lead, lead you in that direction, like put you even in that context of thinking about sexual, I mean, I, I, I know he talked about it a little bit, but yeah, yeah, he talked about it, but it was like, if you get down to what was going on in the first century, it's more about like rich, older men, fucking younger boys and sex slaves kind of stuff like that. Like he was like, not, a, he was not cool with that. So when he does speak out against it, it's, it's, it's in that context. So I, I don't even know how you begin to I mean I kind of wish those things were true because it kind of fucks with Christians like ideas about things like just like just like I wish Jesus was married because then it kind of makes you rethink Jesus mm-hmm. and sexuality and all that kind of stuff and the humanness of these people in the Bible right it makes you consider what's really important right right so yeah one way or the other I, I, I don't know I would never that's not a hill I would die on so and I, and I don't think uh, Keith would either, based on the thread. I don't think there's any evidence, according to Keith, that he was. Some people like the idea. Some people, I don't know, are just like, whatever. Um, so we can go on to the next one. Michael Hardy asks, and I don't know if we're actually going to answer this, but I have an answer for this. How does a universalist interpret Hebrews 6, 4 through 6? This one troubles me sometimes. I would appreciate your thoughts. So, um, I actually don't even want to answer that question in the way he's probably looking for an answer. Like, read it out and tell him what it means in light of universalism. Because, and I know you're with me on this one, the Bible argues for a bunch of different positions, and you can make it kind of argue for eternal torment, you can make it argue for annihilation, you can make it argue for universalism, yeah. you can make it argue for something between or something other. Um, I don't, I don't like do the, um, the, and I'm not saying Michael's asking this in a game, like trying to catch me and, you know, obviously he's troubled by the passage, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't like do that anymore where I go like, Oh, how do you answer this as a universalist? How do you answer that as a universalist? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, have any desire to do that anymore 
And a lot of times it's like, well, how do you answer the parable of the sheep and the goats? How do you answer the rich man and Lazarus? How do you do this and that? And it's like, <laughs> uh, I, I don't, and I, I don't really care. Right. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you're supposed to, you know, check the Bible against experience, not the other way around. Sure. So if the Bible so, says something. So ultimately, it, I mean, it doesn't really matter what it says it's not gonna either it's not gonna make the case for universalism any better sure uh specifically with regards to hebrews i don't think it's talking about afterlife i don't think the new testament's really talking about the afterlife all that much i think there's hints about it but i think a lot of the times when it's talking about like this passage has to do with um repentance and um it's going to be like impossible for reprobates to repent and so you know ergo they go to hell i don't think that's the context of anything i mean hebrews uh, the hebrew people did not really believe in hell in the way evangelicals do it was not even a doctrinal developed doctrinal sort of thing so anytime you're talking to the hebrew people that's their context it's not it's not hell in the way we would think of hell at all and frankly, I don't think much of the New Testament is about the afterlife in any way, shape, or form. Um, maybe secondarily, but primarily, it's how do, how do we live here and now. Okay. Um, Michael Harden has a great essay on Hebrews in the Jesus Driven Life. Uh, it's Appendix A, I believe. There's two appendices, so it's either A or B. Uh, I think it's A. So it's in the second edition. So if you want to know how someone whom I respect their theological ideas... Uh, pick up the Jesus Driven Life, because he's got a great essay on Hebrews, and how to interpret Hebrews, and a, or, or a way to interpret Hebrews, and gives a lot of good reasoning behind how he sees re- Hebrews. I, I part- specifically don't necessarily, if I do go to the Bible, I'm not going to certain books of, for like my eschatology, or uh, Hebrews is one of them. I mean, I, I'm not a universalist because I read the book of Hebrews. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm not even a universalist because Paul, I believe, was a universalist, even even though he makes a strong case. So, yeah, it's a good way of putting it. But I get it. I get it. I I when I first d- discovered universalism, I wanted to check off those scriptural boxes, right? The ones that troubled me as well. I mean, we've all probably been there at one point mm-hmm. on our journey. I believe so, especially if we come from a certain rigid fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. Um, where we had those scary passages. Mine was the unpardonable sin and Lord, Lord, I never knew you uh, from from Matthew. Uh, I believe Matthew 7. That one scared the shit out of me. I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't like those that. would be on my list for sure. So, And of course the entire book of Revelation. <laughs> um, Alright, moving on to the next one. Uh, Adam Thurling asks I thought this was an interesting one and I don't know if I quite understand it but I think I do he asks how do we love church find purpose and transform culture instead of running from what we think is the problem how do we bring fresh revelation without allowing the lenses of our pain dictate our actions so the way I understand it is how do we love the church and find purpose and transform our culture instead of like just bashing the church? Yeah. Okay. 
for me, it comes to how do we define church? So we have to, I think, in, in order to talk about something like this, in order to talk about anything, but this is a contentious word, church, <laughs> same with Christian, um, things like that. Unless we're talking about the same thing, we're going to talk past one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always hard to strike a balance between calling out that which is wrong or that which is harmful and not being bitter about it. So I think the church needs to be taken to task on a lot of things, but you don't want to become bitter about it either. For me, uh, loving the church at a, at a far distance. <laughs> I mean, that, if, that you're, me. if you're able to define the church like super broadly, like if you can include, you know, people from other religions like if mm-hmm. you can in- include i mean people of compassion in it and people who want to help the church i mean people who don't even necessarily who probably don't even go to a building that they call a church but you know they have a heart for god and a heart for people mm-hmm. those are the people you know spreading the real good news or <laughs> the actual good news yeah um like non-verbally yeah of course but sure i mean i have no i have no reason to hate those people and that's kind of who i consider to be the real church right now right um yeah i i would to me and you know i i don't want to misinterpret the person asking the question but it's more like the christian church those who define themselves as christian right then, then that makes it tougher then it makes it tougher and and I, I don't necessarily think it's helpful to have to be involved in a quote-unquote church and and I get annoyed a lot of times and I and I've I even uh, argued with Brian Zond on Twitter once about this and we've had him on the heretic happy hour and I like I like the guy, but I didn't like his approach nor Shane Claiborne's when it came to being involved in a church, like a specific congregation or whatever. And they they both likened it to the people who have like left church, the nuns and the duns, those kind of people, <laughs> like um, are like the people before the flood of Noah who weren't on the ark. Meaning if you're going to walk away from the quote unquote Christian church, you're going to end up drowning. And I was just like, Oh, Mm. so you're telling the people who are so burned by church that they're like, fuck this shit. I'm out. Well now, and you're trying to like not be, but you also like understand where they're coming from for the most part, because you don't want to be those, horrible fundamentalist churches either and you want to kind of stand in the middle but now you're kind of condemning the people who are like no i've been traumatized for too long and i'm fucking out so now so it's like ah, that one that one always it kind of grinds my gears to quote peter griffin yeah that's disappointing i was disappointed and i definitely was like ah do i engage with him on twitter yeah i gotta say something that was respectful but i was just like um don't you see Oh, this is not. This is not right. Like you're telling people who've been traumatized and who are in pain 
that now now they're going to drown because they're not going back to a church. I mean, drown for good? Like, I don't, is it, is, I don't think that's what they were. Is that an analogy for going to hell? No, I wouldn't think so. I don't even know if Brian believes in hell nor Shane. I'm not sure where they're at on that. I think they're probably, but definitely not like fire and brimstone type people. I think it was more an analogy like you're going to end up drowning in life. Like you're going to be floundering. Like your life's going to turn out not so good. You're always going to be looking for something and never find it. Right. I mean, they're assuming that you can't find genuine help somewhere else outside of the church, yeah. which I would say is obviously false. Yeah. Like, I mean, what specific problem are you talking about that you can get from outside of church? I, yeah. I, I mean, I can't think of it. I mean, psychologically, you know, physically, you go to a doctor. I mean, you, you find... You find your friends just to talk to you when you need emotional support. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, especially when you when you take, you know, hell off the table, then it's really like, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, what do you, you, you gotta have a better sales pitch, man. What do you, what do you, you're not selling me anything. You gotta be at least a little <laughs> bit more specific to me. Yeah. Tell me exactly what you're talking about. Tell yeah. me exactly what only a church can do. Uh, yeah, I don't find anything. I mean, what specifically mm-hmm. is a church doing that other agencies can't? And they're I not mean, great at therapy. I'd go to go see a counselor. Therapist. I mean, I mean, they're not great at healing. <laughs> go see a doctor. Um, their their music sucks for the most part. Go to a concert. Right. <laughs> you know? Or Apple Music. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spotify's your friend. <laughs> Guarantee you're going to find some good shit out there that you don't need a church for. Uh, and they got their little coffee shop in the foyer, but, you know, there's local coffee shops around. I just find it pretty insulting when when people from the church assume that only they can provide, uh, like, a solid sense of community. Right. Like, only they can provide your friends for you. Right. Like, right. No. I was like, no, I <laughs> Perfectly, I'm perfectly content with my uh, my group of friends, mm-hmm. and I don't know any of them at a church or hang out with them on Sunday. And so, exactly, you got to come up with a better sales pitch because you're not giving me nothing, man. But at the same time, like if that's what you want to do, go do it, you know. Right. So, but to answer, um, is it Adam? Should I forgot already? Adam's question. I mean, I think sometimes you have to go through the part. Sometimes you know, sometimes you have to go through. Like, I hate this shit. I'm done with this shit. And then you get on the other side and you're like, okay, it's not for me. But if that's if that works for you, cool. Yeah. Just don't try to peddle it on me. I mean, ultimately, I, I left the church because, because I was bored. Like, it just, I would, like, it wasn't intellectually, it wasn't intellectually stimulating. Like, it's not the f- fact that I disagreed. It was just that, you know, what they were talking about was so basic. And that's, yeah. you know, more specific to, you know, my church. Sure. Um, but, but it's a common thread. But, I mean, if there was... I would have a better chance of staying there if, you know, if there was something that was just a little bit intriguing. Even if I, like, dis- disagreed with it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember going... I, I was attending a men's Bible study at the church I used to go to. Even after I became a right. universalist. <laughs> And so it wasn't even that I disagreed. It was like, 
I can't even, I was trying to like stir up like stimulating intellectual discussions and it was so basic. It was so mm-hmm. bad. It was so bad. It was like none of these people even seem to give a shit and they have no depth to, you know, and, and maybe they did, but it just wasn't, it wasn't being brought to the table. Right. I mean, I didn't know these people really. But it was like no one's bringing nothing. This is a waste of time. Right. Like this is this is you know basic shit. Man. Again, I mean, I know there's churches out there that you know are able to talk about adult conversations. I mean, totally. I've, I've been to them. Totally, me too. And if the conversations really were that good, I would probably come back. Yeah, I guess, or at least the chances would be a lot better. They'd be better. Um, but I just. I, I got out of the habit and <laughs> um, of going to church, so I mean, but I have the, but for me personally, I had the I had the stimulating conversations doing this once a week, and then doing the Paratech exactly. Happy Hour once every other week, yeah. and then being on people's podcasts once you know once a month. So what is that not the same thing? Like, do I need to go listen to a pastor talk shit, or can I talk shit with my friends? Right. If, if a pastor doesn't say it, it's not. It's not valid. It's not. I, I didn't. I didn't give ten percent of my money to, to that shit. Uh, I did it for free. I, that's just good economics. <laughs> I donate to things. I did to other shit. Why does it have to go through a church? Why do I need a middleman? You know. So, you know, I, I donate my time. I do a bunch of shit. I don't, I don't need a middle middle management. I can go straight to straight to just doing shit. Hmm. So yeah, uh, but again, again, if you like church and you love your community, and you want to go sing songs and you know listen to a guy talk or a gal, by all means, like to quote Kevin Hart, "You do you, boo boo." I'm gonna yeah. do, do me. Yeah, no no judgment if you do choose to go. Exactly. Maybe a little. No, I'm just <laughs> if I'm being honest, yeah. maybe a little. Uh, yeah, maybe just a little bit. Okay, this one's good from Michelle Caldwell. Have you discussed consensual non-monogamy, swinger or poly? I'm assuming polyamorous. Um, I am interested in the perspective of those who consider themselves followers of Jesus but aren't conservative fundamentalists. In theory, if I came out as gay or bisexual. Uh, is that kind of like, I got a friend who, (laughs) (laughs) I know a guy, uh, a good portion of people would consider it brave and support me. Okay. Yeah. However, if I came out as a swinger or poly, I would most likely get concerned and backlash from both sides of the social issue spectrum. Okay. That's probably true, I guess. I, I, I just think that goes back to like cultural taboos and, um, just the, the overall consciousness of gay and bisexual, it's becoming more acceptable because we're, you know, it's been talked about longer. Um, polyamory is something people, most people probably don't even know what the term is. Um, they think polygamy, which is, I guess, you know, a little more patriarchal and, (laughs) but polyamory is people in basically an open, uh, relationship of some sorts. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I the only concern I. I mean, again, this to me is you do you boo. Like if it works for you, it's not. It doesn't work for me. I. I, um, I know myself well enough. I've had thirty, almost thirty-eight years of experiences. I would not do well in an open relationship personally. However, if that works for you, then great. Um, yeah, I would say if you feel like you're, 
if you're flourishing in that situation, well, then that's probably a pretty good clue that it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you can honestly say that, and I think yeah. you won't be mistaken about whether you're flourishing or not. I mean, that's kind of obvious. Uh, yeah, I'd I think say. so. I think so. The, the reason I have hesitations is because of my um, understanding of mimetic theory and understanding human relationship and the propensity toward jealousy. And that can happen in a monogamous relationship as well. But I think anytime there is a, um, it just gets more complicated when, if I'm in a relationship with, let's say, two other people, is there something that I'm going to get really jealous about when I see the other two people in, in either a romantic way, sexual way, non-sexual way, even, um, that you can only answer for yourself. Um, but I'm pretty sure it wouldn't work for me. I would get, I would get pretty jealous. Yeah. I get really jealous as well. And, but again, that's just knowing yourself based on your experiences in life. If it works for you, like, Hey, if you're flourishing and it works for you, great. Uh, Eric Rattan pointed out a good, thing to remember uh when we had him on i it might have been actually after we stopped recording in just a conversation just after we hit stop but he said something to the effect of if you have a relationship between two people you have you know my perspective with you and your perspective with me if you bring in a third party you Hmm. don't have just three relationships you now have nine relationships. Yeah. It's yours and my relationship with person C. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's my and person C relationship with you. It's you and the other person with me. And so it gets, the more people you get, it, it gets exponential right. rather than just adding. <laughs> so that's always important to remember. Right. And that, that could have to do with work relationships. That can have to do with sexual relationships, whatever. I mean, any relationship. And it just seems like things that are complicated Seems like they're more prone to fail. Possibly, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe that, not necessarily, but, you know. They take a lot more planning and thought. Yeah, and again, if you don't mind doing that. Yeah. But, I mean, on the flip side, monogamy isn't working out great on the whole either. <laughs> on the whole. Um, I mean, what, 50% of marriages fail? Uh, so, uh, it, it's not doing so hot either. So, um yeah, I would, I would, um, I would always go with the wise words of Jesus, our Lord. Uh, do not judge. So I'm not going to judge. I would, uh, I would like to. I'd rather, I'd rather people who hear new ideas like this that they haven't heard before talk about them. And I, you can ask hard questions. I mean, people, if they're going to get in any sort of relationship, should be asked the toughest questions or ask themselves the toughest questions, whether that's polyamory or whether that's monogamy. But, but without judgment. So, I hope that answers the question. Um, actually, the only question was, have we discussed it? <laughs> so, the rest is just comments. So, good comments, um, but now we have discussed it to some degree. Okay, Arthur Frymier Jr. I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering, butchering the last name. Uh, what does God's justice look like? Um, like Jonathan Edwards says, he's going <laughs> to dangle us over the pit of hell like a spider. <laughs> um, no, just kidding. But JK. seriously, uh, <laughs> I think I think it's a natural it's a natural consequence to uh, to an action. It's the uh, like a reap what you sow. Yeah, sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 
Do you think God is a little more active in any sort of way or just allowing the chips fall where they lie? Or do you think there's like some sort of force that is more restorative or reconciliatory? No, well, I don't think there's added punishment to, you know, the results of your actions. Yeah. Like, you're not paying attention and you, you stub your toe. Or, yeah, you lose your temper and you yell at your wife so she yells at you and everybody feels bad i mean th- those seems those seem like bad enough punishments to me uh-huh. not to um like okay now you got to go into timeout right that doesn't seem helpful at all um yeah i think i think if we're going to justice is one of those weird things again where we we talk past one another when we use the term uh, same with wrath like some people talk about god's wrath you know, in a Calvinistic way, like John Piper or Mark Driscoll would. And then some people talk, like Brad, I like Brad Jerzak's, God's wrath is you throwing up a hammer and having it land on your head. <laughs> you know, if you, if you do something stupid, yeah, I like shit, that. shit's going to not end up so well for you. Um, based on your own actions and just like the laws of the universe and causation. Um, so that's more where I'm at. Uh, I think if God intervenes in any sort of way, it's only for the benefit of those getting justice doled out Um, i mean i don't yeah i would say that's kind of where i'm at but i also you know i don't necessarily have you know anything against you know a murderer getting life in prison i I mean it doesn't mean that that everyone gets off scot-free you know like even if you're a pacifist or even if you think god's not violent or something uh you you got to you got to sometimes keep people safe. Right. So, I mean, that locking a person up, person up might be seen as being separate from, you know, his punishment. It's more about, well, he might do it again. So to protect other people, he should be not in society. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but, I, don't, and I don't think we can model everything after what we think God is like all the time. Sometimes you have to be a pragmatist. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, if God has the power, let's say, to restore someone and the right capacity and right faculties, we don't, we don't have that power. So we got to do it with the best that we can in our time and place. Maybe with the goal of reconciling someone back to society, even if they have killed someone. I'm not of the belief that everyone who kills someone should be put away forever. Right. Yeah. I mean, I case-by-case basis, you know, definitely. Yeah, I mean, not all murder is equal. I mean, yeah, you took a life, but it's not, I mean, (laughs) someone who, the manslaughter is not, you know, murder one. We understand that. Yeah, and some people obviously aren't going to do it again, or, I mean, never say never, of course, but yeah. Yeah, some seem like a one-off. You can see that, like, there's, it's not like a flaw in their a huge flaw in their character like right. they're not you know prone to bursts of anger or stuff like that sure they're suffering from sociopathy but yeah mm-hmm. sometimes shit does happen i mean like i don't know i'm sure i'm capable of killing someone in in some sort of way i, I have no idea i've never been i mean i'm sure i would given the right situation yeah or the wrong <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't know, but I think I think uh, God's justice is going to be uh, whatever Mark Driscoll says the opposite of. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not I'm not even joking actually. Um, next question: Nathan Brubaker asks, "Was Jesus a socialist?" Again, to play the uh, to play the Derrida card, what do we mean by socialist? We'd have to make sure we're defining socialist in the same way. I actually think, more accurately, Jesus would have been a voluntarist communist, personally. Or at least that's how I think the early church was modeled. Um, socialism implies the state, and I don't think early Christians had any concern for what the fuck Rome was doing. They were doing their own thing, and it had nothing to do with the state. So everything was voluntarist, but I think everything was supposed to be communal, like 100%. So um, I don't think Jesus was necessarily a socialist, but I think a lot of people who are socialists, the ones that I know, like they have the same ideas. I just think they implement them in a different way, maybe. I mean, I uh, surely Jesus wouldn't have anything against, you know, people sharing stuff i think you would almost like um, say this is what it means to follow me is by sharing stuff and doing things like that uh, right i mean because sharing can be helpful <laughs> like yeah of course there's no reason to to share if nobody needs it like but that's just not how life usually works out yeah for uh you know, society as a whole. I mean, someone always needs something. So if you're not, if you're saying that you're just against helping people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he wouldn't. He wouldn't be advocating that. Like, I never see him saying, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Right. I mean, no. I don't ever no, remember getting a whiff of that. No. No, I think he'd be more uh, turned off by. Uh, I don't think he'd be opposed to people having capital at the same time. Like I, I think someone funded his ministry or whatever you want to call it. Maybe it was Mary Magdalene. Maybe her family had some money uh, doing fishing shit and business or whatever. So I don't think he was like necessarily opposed to people having stuff. But I think it's it goes like to the heart of the matter how you, how you deal with it. Like, are you, are you voluntarily giving all your shit away and, and helping the poor and helping those around you? Or are you being a, you know, selfish, greedy motherfucker, <laughs> for lack of a better term? Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, if we had a more precise definition of socialism, that would help out. But. Yeah. So, it's always... And, and even today, we don't define it correctly. Um, you know, 10 people can say the word socialism and you might get eight dif different definitions of what that is. Right. I mean, there's a good chance that I, I might be against, you know, what most conservatives think of as socialism. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't believe in your God either. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Brandon Travis Milan asks, uh, this is a very serious question. This might take us a while. Does size matter? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, to some degree, maybe. Uh, I don't know. You do you, boo. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. I have no idea. 
Um, no, that wasn't a serious question. I mean, that's what he asked, but... Uh, does it matter to you? That's what's important. Does it I can't answer for anyone else. Or, I mean, does I mean, does it matter to your partner? That kind of matters. Sure. Or partners. <laughs> Remember. And uh, Brittany Lapointe asks... I think this is a good one. Um, do you think absolute truth exists? If so, can we know anything with absolute truth? Or maybe... Can we know anything with absolute certainty? Is how I would maybe put it, but that's she put up. Um, so, uh, what do you think? Does absolute truth exist? And if so, how how do we approach that? I think there's absolute ob- objective things that happen in the universe. I mean, I, I think those actions are out there to be d- discovered by observers. Mm-hmm. So they exist in that way. Nobody's going to know the truth absolutely, I I don't think. I mean, they're never going to know the truth from every single infinite possible angle. Sure. Like, you'll never be able to analyze a certain event, you know, completely, I don't think. Sure. Or maybe you will, given, like, enough time. I mean, get pretty, pretty darn close. I mean, but mathematically, yeah, you probably wouldn't get to absolute. Right. I think this is one of the uh, weird, wacky paradoxes of the universe that there is there, there is an absolute truth, or at least there could be, and we can only approach it subjectively. At least, in my experience. <laughs> no, that's, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, like and that. if experiential knowledge is anything, it's my experience that I've only approached any truth mm-hmm. subjectively. So, unless, you know, how we experience reality changes, like somehow our consciousness changes... You know, so that <laughs> all of our consciousnesses are fused in some way. Mm. I don't understand how that's even possible. Right. Uh, I mean, even if that's even theoretically possible. Right. But, yeah, I mean, unless you somehow get to the omnipotent God. Yeah, I think if... um, It would be subjective, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's right. I think... If anything comes close to what absolute truth is, it would be uh, David Bentley Hart's um, interpretation of Satchit Ananda. Mm. So, being, pure beingness, being as such, not a being, but being, consciousness and bliss is absolute, transcendental, uh, the why behind everything. But, the experience of all that, that, that is yeah, done subjectively, and I think, and it has to, right? That's just kind of how yeah. a logical reality works. That, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we are subjective participants in that, and in, 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 in the fabric of reality is Satchitananda, and um, but there, there is, yeah, you could you could experience, let's say, bliss. You could experience pure bliss. A state of nirvana, just a state of oneness, and I could. And then when we talk about it, we kind of know what we're talking about from the other person because I was like, "Oh, I experience, yeah, I think I know, it. yeah." Mm-hmm. So it's, but it's subjective because I experience it, and it probably looks the exact same. But but you can never I'm, know with a hundred percent certainty right. that that we're not talking past each other a little bit, right? That we're not talking about a different kind of red, or right? Red lips. Yeah, that's always a, you know, it's always tripped me the fuck out. Is <laughs> like 
is how do I know when you look at like my Jeep is sitting over there, it's green and I, and you I would say it's green. You would say it's green too, but how do I know when you see that it's not actually red, but you just see that as green, right? Every like time you see just, red, I see black or something. Yeah. Yeah. Trips me out, dude. Like, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that is that. <laughs> but if you like stepped into my body and you saw it through my eyes and it, wait, wait, maybe what's it? What if it's a different color? You're like, holy fuck. No, I, that's not, that's not green. What the fuck's wrong with you, Matt? That's always tripped me out. Yeah. So that, but I think it goes to the point of like, yeah, there's objective shit out there, man. But this is again, why we have to have grace for one another. Like we could be, we, we could be talking about something and someone could be talking about something and their experiences are such and your experiences are such that you might be talking way past each other. I mean, I've gotten to the, to the, to the point in my life where I think every time we talk about God, we're just talking about our theology. I don't think we can actually mm-hmm. talk about God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can sort of talk about what we think God is like. Well, it's like you don't, you don't encounter the world directly. You encounter the world, uh, through your nervous system yeah Uh, like i'm not literally touching the table right now i'm touching the sensation of the table on my nervous system right something like that right but it doesn't actually even touch even just as an aside yes on the quantum level it repels so however the table is interacting with the neurons in my body and it, it, yeah, it affects the nervous system in that way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not experiencing. I'm not touching the table atom to atom. Right. Like it's fucking uh, trippy, dude. Yeah. So all this is almost like uh, not quite concrete reality. All this material shit, dude. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. I don't either. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. <laughs> this kind of breaks my brain apart. I mean, mostly it doesn't. It doesn't trouble me too much. It doesn't trouble me. It, it doesn't just, keep me up at night. No, like, no. It's just one of those trippy things where you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't... Uh, it's kind of like the double slit experiment where, yeah. you know, it's depending on if we observe a photon, it's it's a wave or a particle, like, and it kind of knows and goes back in time and shit. And you're like, what yeah. the fuck? It doesn't keep me up at night. But maybe it would if I was a physicist. But it has... I mean, it has my attention, like... Yes. And definitely, it should have our attention. It's very fascinating. It's very fascinating. Quantum entanglement is very fascinating, too. Like, you can have something that's almost infinitely apart, distance-wise, and the minute you act upon this atom, if it's entangled with this atom, it just reverses polarity, starts spinning the other way, fucking just, how the fuck? I don't even know how to begin to start thinking about that. I don't. Like, the implications. Yeah. You're You're just talking gibberish at that point. It seems to be scientifically true, but how, how it works practically, I, don't look to me for answers, man. Uh-uh. But, no, no. And those were all good questions, though. I like that. So thank you to the Heresy After Hours group. Uh, thank you to all the people who asked questions that I think led to hopefully some decent dialogue. Yeah. Um, and, and again, thank you to all the people who are buying our book. Like, you're kind of tripping us out a little bit. For uh, sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's it's weird. Like, I joked about this the last time when spring became a, a 
a new a new release number one i was like in in theology of all things <laughs> in the first sentence i say the word motherfucker <laughs> and if people if people who were number two or number three knew that they'd be like really someone's book is ahead of me and they use motherfucker in the first sentence god bless it <laughs> made me laugh a little bit just a little bit yeah so uh before we sign off uh any updates on the world right now what do we got going on that one bitch was uh arrested epstein's girlfriend oh jizzlane or something Wait, what is it? What is it again? Jizzlane or Jizzlane? Jizz. <laughs> no, I actually, if I live on Jizzlane, yeah, of course you do. It's G H I L S. Did you watch the Epstein documentary on Netflix? No, I probably won't. Docu series. Me and Lindsay watched it. It was uh, that was one of those. I like those kind of ones, but they also like they're t- they're tough sledding. It's like we watched the um. We watched that one, and we watched the uh, the one about the, the gymnastics doctor. You know, uh, what the fuck was his name? I know who you're talking about. You know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. He, he, like, molested fucking hundreds of kids. Um, I mean, you know, one of those ones where, like, I, this was really well done, and I liked it, but at the same time, just I hated it. Yeah, I just like, oh, God. Um, yeah, so, but what did, what did Trump say? I wish her well, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. Fuck me. He's trolling, dude. There's no human. He's not a human being. He's trolling us. Well, I mean, you wonder what she has on him, dude. Probably something, dude. I think I think quite a few people have stuff on Trump, but that I barely knew him. Yeah, bullshit. (laughs) Barely knew him. So there's probably like hundreds of pictures of you together, then, dude. What if? He'd say they're fake. And there are some fake ones going around. I saw that. I was kind of I'm disappointed. Sure I was so disappointed. There was one where, like, Trump is hugging Epstein. But it's but it's obviously Epstein's head's on this body of, like, a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. It might have even been his daughter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, it's creepy enough to be, like, touching your kids like that. But it's like this. It's like, it's like bad Photoshop. He, they didn't even airbrush the long hair out. And people were sharing it on social media, like, see, Trump's Trump and Epstein were tight. And I was like, that's this isn't even good. I'm I'm not even like a graphics designer. This is just but this is I would do better than this. So it's really, really sad if it's, you know people buy into it. Right? Yeah, it's like, dude, this dude probably is doing some shady shit and probably did know Epstein, but knew knew him well and the girl, the girlfriend. Um so don't don't make it a boy who cried wolf situation by sharing bullshit that's not even good Photoshop, dude. For fuck's sake, like that's just gonna discredit when when it comes out that he did do some shady shady shit. I was disappointed in that. I knew people on Facebook sharing that. I was like, really, man? You can't see the hair in the back that's not his, and the skinny ass arms that obviously are not on this man's body. Yeah. Like this is like a younger person who you know hasn't even grown up yet. And then of course, yeah, it turns out there's a picture, the same exact picture, and it's I think it's his daughter when she was younger. And not Epstein in the car. So I was like, man, step up your game. So there's that going on. California's locking down again. We got we got the Rona burning hot. You said for a couple days in our well, in our county in specifically, our county? yeah, we're gonna have to um, we're gonna have to lo- everywhere in California for certain things like indoor indoor restaurants, 
indoor seating, I mean. Uh, but then, yeah, we got a couple other stipulations like, um, in our county specifically, uh, like hairstylists and tattoo shops and malls. Got to lock it down again because we, uh, we reopened too quickly, I guess, and no one's wearing a fucking mask, man. I mean, people are, but... Uh, honestly, I see most people well up in paradise, I guess, wearing a mask. Yeah, but not enough. But but the, the, the problem is, like, when you, you see it, and that's great, but it's like, I heard about someone's kid was at a party up in Almanor. Yeah. They all turned out positive. Then sure. they bring it back, and they're not, like, people doing this shit, like, in, in the stores, yeah, in the rest, because you have to. They won't let you, I mean, most of them won't let you in. Right. But it's the other shit. It's like getting together for parties. It's the younger kids, man. It's the fucking like 18 to 24 year olds. You're like, fuck it. It's like, yeah, fuck sure. it for you because you're not going to get sick. <laughs> yeah, you're there's not, not a, gonna die. Yeah, not right? a whole lot of those age kids up here. So yeah, yeah. No, it's in the bigger cities and stuff. And mm-hmm. then they get together. And I was even I was at some, I don't even remember where I was at a business. Had a mask on. Oh, I was at the cell phone place because I had to get a new cell phone. And the girl was talking to the to the guy who was working there. And they were talking about what they're going to do tonight. She's like, oh, I'm going out partying. And I'm like, damn. Okay, so people are still doing that shit. And she was younger. So you're going to party with masks off, obviously. <laughs> so if one person has it, y'all are going to get it. And then, and then, which is not a big deal, right? And most most 18-year-olds with no comorbidities are fine. But you don't think about other people, though. Then you come to work. Then someone comes in. Someone older. Or your grandpa. Or your grandma. Or your parents. You're not thinking about other motherfuckers, are you? Selfish-ass people. I mean, even Trump is endorsing wearing mask wearing now. Yeah. I'm shocked Six months to later. say. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'm i going to bet that'll help out quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine. I hope so. If he has the attention of his base, you know. Yeah. Like I think he does. I mean, it's, definitely, it's definitely not going to hurt, but I think it's going to help a lot. Yeah. Oh, I think it'll help. Yeah, he's a cult leader. He's definitely a cult leader, so they're gonna <clears throat> they're gonna fall in line. Uh, what do you think about the shit he's doing in Portland? I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> it's crazy. Unmarked, unmarked vans, like fucking. Yeah, I heard that. Even though there's no names on you know people's vests, that yeah. they have some other form of identification. Um, but what are they? What are they doing though? What are they doing? Why are they doing that shit? Why are they arresting people like that? I mean, they say to, you know, to prevent violence, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, That's isn't that say. their purpose? Yeah. Um, they're not even coordinating. I, I was listening to one Portland PD guy. They're not even coordinating with the local police. I right. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure the local police don't want them there. Yeah. Like I know the I know the mayor doesn't. Yeah. Mayor doesn't. Nope. I think it's a pretty fascist move. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which violates the bonfire sessions. Don't be a dick edict. Right. He does that pretty much every week, though, for us. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. He's, he's, he's gotten his, his, his quotas filled. <laughs> Definitely. Right. He can quit now, and he would be good. He'd be good for the year. So, yeah, that's some crazy shit, man. Crazy shit going on. As always. <laughs> As fucking always. I mean, it gets crazier and crazier. Yeah. It does. Because, you know what I was... Um, I've been riding my bike a lot, and I listened back to a couple of our episodes. Um, like a year, 
when did we start? We started almost a year and we started in May of last year. So it's been going over a year. So sometime last year, late in the fall, you said something about that we're not ready for a pandemic. I was like, oh shit. Way before coronavirus. I said, I said that in the fall. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You said that maybe in like October, September, one of the episodes back then. Uh, sorry. In what context did I say that? Oh, we were just talking about how shitty the world's getting. I mean, you know, how, how like we were talking about climate change and all these things. And then you're like, and turns out we're not even ready for a pandemic if it happens. <laughs> That's funny. I, I don't remember anticipating or even thinking about it back then. I'm but. sure you read something that it was from some like health experts or something. Probably. I mean, you didn't pull it out of your ass, I don't think. But uh, no, right. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't putting my finger to the wind or anything like that. Right. But it was just like it was just right. interesting that just a couple months later. Yeah. Okay. Point proven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, right. Six months in, and six months in, it's been really proven that we're not ready for it. We're we're not. Yeah. No. We could be though. We could have been. We I'm could right. have done better. We weren't prepared because we didn't have the right leader. I mean, no. That's why we weren't ready to. And also, the not the right uh, cultural mentality with one another. Because if it, even if it was a strong leader who was doing the right things, there's a whole shit ton of people who are going to do the opposite. You know, so if it was Obama saying wear a mask, we're going to do this, we're going to lock it down, there'd been people who'd been like, "Fuck off, yeah. I'm not doing that shit." Yeah, and it'd have been people who are going to do whatever Trump's. Gonna, you know, it's 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 That'd like be weird, equally bad, yeah, divided right down the line, man. That's why I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not even sure what's better if or what. Yeah, Trump needs to go. But I'm not even sure what's worse. If Trump gets elected, the fallout from Trump being elected or the fallout from Biden being elected. Because the other side is going to fucking just go ballistic. Either way. That's a really good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, the election isn't going to solve hardly nearly anything. No. Nah. Um, and Trump got to go. I, I, trust me, I don't want Trump as president anymore. I mean, it's going to slow down the, the destruction but shit's going to be fucking nut- nutty from the the backlash yeah. of those the, those who lose right so i mean i'm praying almost that he gets so bad towards the end <laughs> that he just he actually ends up offending everybody you know so you know biden gets elected in a landslide it could be i i think it's going to be either be i've gotten to the point where it's either going to be a biden landslide if it's a landslide, Biden's going to win. If it's close, then I'm worried Trump might win. But I'm I'm leaning towards a Biden landslide. I don't think Trump's going to win in a landslide. I don't think that. No, I, right. If anybody's going to win in a landslide, it's going to be it's going to be Biden. Biden. I think. Yeah. yeah. And if it's close, then I'm getting then I'll get nervous. Yeah. I'm still pretty nervous. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm nervous as well. I mean, like. I've got my passport. That'll buy me three months in some other country. <laughs> what I'm going to do for the rest of the four years, I don't fucking if I know. But, I mean, he was behind roughly the same amount of percentage points four years ago, and he got I know he got elected. I know. But the thing that kind of gives me hope is that, well, I mean, now we have four years of experience. We We know what a Trump president looks like now. We didn't know back then. So... You know, it was understandable that some people would 
you know, toss the dice. There's um, got to be at least enough people who have been like far, who have left left the church, left the station, the Trump station, and even I mean, if I've, they don't vote, <laughs> I've mean, heard of tons and tons of examples. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. that's enough. So I mean, that would just be advantage Biden that way, right? I mean, <laughs> what? What exa- exactly is Trump pointing to that he can be proud of that anybody really believes? Well, he's made America great again. We're doing well with COVID. The wall's built. Mexico paid for it. And um, Obamacare has been repealed. So we're doing really well. <laughs> oh, and the budget, I, the budget is balanced and we have no more debt. Man, I Fuck. am definitely reading fake news because I haven't heard any of Where, it. You, oh, you haven't? Oh, you got to go to OAN. <laughs> that's the problem. That's that's the that's the top notch news site, man. OAN, they're on it. What's wrong with you? Have you ever watched it? No. Have you? No. Fuck, I'm not. Maybe I will go watch it tonight. No, it just make my blood boil. Well, right. I mean, it's it would probably be funny at some point. Yeah. Like yeah, when yeah. you're in the right mood, isn't it? Like Fox News on speed or something, <laughs> or meth. I mean, way more, yeah, like slavish in their praise. Yeah. Not asking tough questions. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, shoot, Chris Wallace on Fox? Yeah. <laughs> that was a brutally, brutally good interview. I mean, like. I didn't watch it. Uh, you didn't even see, like, highlights? Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh. Yeah, I mean, uh,. Chris Wallace was just fact-checking Trump on everything, like uh, um, Biden wanting to uh, disband the police, uh-huh. uh, defund the police. And he said, no, that's not true. And, right, he, he tried to say how great America is doing with the coronavirus and how low our death rate is. Yeah, um, the lowest, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, number one. Actually, I think I think he said it was seven. It, it's sef- seventh or something like that. Oh, sorry. I mean, we're towards the bottom, right? Yeah. 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 We're, yeah, not, yeah. we're not doing so well. Like only a couple uh, other countries are doing worse than us with the death rate. Yeah. So, yeah, Wallace said, "Yeah, I've never." Um, that's not what I heard, or something like that. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I mean, he didn't let anything go. Yeah. Good. It's just, it's getting the people to, uh, to realize that, that he's just so full of shit. Right. I mean, I, I'm wondering if any Trump supporters watch Chris Wallace, even if he's on Fox. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But time will tell. All right. Well, thank you for this conversation, Mr. M- Mr. Michael. And yeah, thank you to our listeners for listening. Uh, if you want to support the show, please head over to patreon.com slash the bonfire sessions and you will unlock bonus episodes that we have recorded. And I believe I put in both of our booklets in there uh, to download on a PDF. Um, but if you do want to uh, spend a dollar, go buy it on Kindle. It's 99 cents. Get two of them for under $2. And thank you for those who have done that. If you could take five minutes, not even five minutes, I bet it's like two minutes, and uh, rate and review this show on iTunes. And if you read the booklets, please rate and review on Amazon and post those so um, that we can spread the word and uh, Spread spread the good news. 
honestly, that's what we're doing, man. I hope the book is entertaining, like we've said. We think that it's entertaining writing, but that's... I also want to, I also want to say some shit that helps people. No, that was only like half tongue and cheek or Yeah. I hope we have witty repartee, but I also want there to be some meat in there, you know. So and so yeah, let's let's get let's get this kind of message out there. Let's get these conversations out there and uh you can do that by helping us out and sharing on socials and all that kind of stuff. So thank you for all that. Thank you for your time. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Peace and love. Bye Mike. Bye bye.